Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the struggle in Rebecca's womb, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Anger, being upset, and yet none of you can remember that first year of your life outside of the womb. The fact that you can't remember it doesn't mean that you didn't have feelings. So we have no proof at all that a child doesn't have emotions and feelings within the womb. Maybe some of those movements that you feel are those of anger. The little kid gets mad at the position. He kicks you, you know. Tired of this position. We don't know what feelings they may have prenatally. Now, it is quite possible that these two little guys in the womb were angry with each other and were going at it. They were struggling in her womb. And when they were born, as soon as they were born, the one little guy reached out and grabbed the other guy's heels, still struggling with him. Fight's still going on. And it really never did stop. So... She was concerned with all of this movement. And so she prayed about it. Lord, what's going on? And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from their birth or from your bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, this is before they were ever born, before they ever did anything. How is it that God could could already make this prediction? Is there fairness with God? Is it fair for God to say, well, the elder is going to serve the younger before they were ever born? Paul takes this up in Romans. The sovereignty of God in election. But we must always remember that God's election is always premised upon his foreknowledge whom he did foreknow, those he did also predestinate that they should be conformed to the image of his son. So God chose while the children were still fighting in the womb. Two nations are fighting. Nations that are going to be different from each other. One is stronger. And so the two nations, Israel and the Edomites, who never did really get along. Now, the Edomite nation has come to the end. The last known Edomite was the family of Herod, who was the king at the time of Jesus, and still then he destroyed all the Jewish boys trying to get rid of the Messiah. The Edomites remained antagonistic towards the purposes of God. When the children of Israel were coming out of the land of Egypt and wanted to pass through their land in order that they might come to the land that God had promised, the Edomites came out to meet them, to fight them, to keep them from coming through. Again, seeking or showing themselves antagonistic to the purposes of God. This is the characteristic of the Edomites from the beginning. Esau was that way. He really didn't care about God or the things of God. He was a very natural man. 
He was the typical natural man, interested in manly kind of things, to be sure, but not interested in godly things. And God, knowing in advance his disposition and his despising of spiritual things, in advance chose the younger one to be the heir and the one through whom the Messiah would eventually come. So the younger one is chosen by God over the elder while still in the womb. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first one came out all red, all over like a hairy garment. So just a little kid covered with hair. And so, appropriately, they called his name Harry. <laughs> That's what Esau means. And, and that was very common in those days. You would name your child after a circumstance of his birth. After that came his brother out, and he took, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And that was probably exciting. He said, oh, look, he grabbed his brother's heel. And someone said, well, then call him heel catcher. And Jacob literally means heel catcher. That's the literal interpretation. It came to mean surplanter. But the literal meaning is heel catcher. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bare them. So they went 20 years without any children. They were 40 when he was married, 60 before the children were born. So they're 20 years. And he prayed and God gave her children, gave her twins. And the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, an outdoorsman. But Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Now, I'm afraid that the translators have done Jacob a bad turn in translating this a plain man. The word that they translated was the Hebrew word tam. They translated it plain. The word other places in the Old Testament has been translated perfect. You remember when God said to Satan concerning Job, have you considered my servant Job a perfect man? It's the same Hebrew word, tam. Concerning Job, it was translated perfect. And so the translators have done Jacob sort of a bad turn, calling him a plain man. The scripture is actually saying he was a perfect man or a complete man, but he dwelt in tents. Now, we have a tendency to really put Jacob down, and I have to confess uh, that I have done my share of putting this guy down because of some of the tricks that he pulled. But in reality, he was the man that God had chosen. And the interesting thing is that God never put him down. And so... About the last time I put him down, the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, how come you keep putting him down? I said, oh, man, look at those horrible things he did. He said, hey, where did I put him down? And I looked, and I couldn't find where God put Jacob down, so I quit putting Jacob down. <laughs> For Paul said, who are you to judge another man's servant? Before his own master, he either stands or falls, and yes, God is able to make him to stand. 
And God made Jacob to stand. So who am I to put him down? If Jacob were my servant, then I would have dealt with him as I feel that maybe he should have been dealt with. But he isn't my servant. He doesn't have to answer to me. He is God's servant. Now, if that is true about Jacob, then it is true also about each other. Who am I to put you down when God is lifting you up? Who am I to judge you? You're not my servant. If you were my servant, then I could judge you. You're not serving me. You're serving God. And thus, I have no right to judge your servants. Oh, you're a rotten servant. Oh, I have no right to make that kind of a judgment concerning you. That's God's judgment. That's for him to judge you because you're serving him. And it's for him to judge me because I seek to serve him. So uh, Jacob was not a plain man. He was a tam man. Perfect, actually, or a complete man. And he dwelt in tents. His brother outdoors, Jacob loved the tent life. And Isaac loved Esau, but for base reasons, because he ate his barbecued venison. <laughs> now, that's no reason for loving one son above another. It's because the guy's a good hunter and can bring in venison. You, you get hooked on venison, and so... He loved Esau because he ate the venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So sad but true, with the parents, there was a displaying of favoritism among the children. And Jacob was fixing some pottage. And Esau came in from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with some of that red pottage, for I am faint. And therefore, his name was called from then on Red. Edom means red. And, and, and his descendants were called the Edomites because uh, he wanted this red pottage. He was hungry and fainting. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, hey, I'm at the ready to die. What profit is a birthright to me? He was very flippant about it. Hey, man, what about the birthright? I'm ready to die. I want your pottage. But Jacob pressed the point. And Jacob said, swear to me then this day. And he swore unto him. And thus he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau the bread and the pottage of lentils, which he did eat and drink. And they rose up and went, and he rose up and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. He didn't really care about the birthright at all. He wasn't interested in spiritual things. He could care less about birthright. He hated it. He wasn't interested in it. And, and thus, he despised his birthright. Now, there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and like father, like son. Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Now, it was to Abimelech that Abraham went, but certainly not the same one that Isaac went to because this is 100 years later, more than 100 years later. So Abimelech was sort of a title of the king of the Philistines. 
And so Isaac went unto the land of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, Don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I will tell thee of. Now this is God's direct command. Don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land I show you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I'm going to give these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear to Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed. And so now God visits Isaac as he is going over to the land of the Philistines. God comes to him and visits and reiterates to Isaac the promise that he had made to Abraham. The land is going to be yours. I'm going to multiply your seed. But then the, the heart of the thing is, through thy seed shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed. Not plural, but singular, referring to Jesus Christ. So the promise of the Messiah to come down through Isaac. And, and thus reiterated the promise that he had made to Abraham. Now that same covenant and promise is passed on to Isaac at this particular time in his life. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So really it is because of Abraham that the promises come, and uh, Isaac is the beneficiary even of his father's faithfulness. And Isaac dwelt at Gerar. Now the men of the place asked him about his wife, and he said, like I said, father like son, she's my sister. For he feared to say she is my wife, lest he, he, the men of the place, would kill me for Rebekah, because she was still beautiful to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out of a window, and he saw, and behold, Isaac was uh, sporting with Rebekah, his wife, making love. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she's your wife. How is it that you said she is your sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us? One of the people might lightly have lain with, with, had laid with your wife, and you should have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all of his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So uh, the king put out a protective custody over him, saying no one was to touch him or his wife. And Isaac went out and sowed and planted, and God blessed it, and he reaped a hundredfold from his planting. And Isaac waxed great, and he went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had a possession of flocks and a possession of herds and a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all of the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. So the same thing happened to Abraham. They saw the blessing and the work of God upon his life, and, and they became fearful of Abraham. Uh, and now Abimelech is doing the same thing concerning Isaac, seeing the fact that God's hand is so much upon him and he, he, the greatness of his wealth and all, they became fearful, and they asked him to leave. And so Isaac departed from there, and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. 
And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called the names after the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley, and they found there an artesian well. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And so he called the name of the well Strife, because they strove with him. And he digged another well, and they strove for that also. And so he called it Contention. And so he removed from there, and he digged another well. And for that one they did not strive, and so he called it Roominess, for he said, The Lord has made room for all of us and we will be fruitful in the land. So he went up from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him in the same night and said, and now again, God is appearing to him just like he appeared earlier I, as he returned now, though, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Fear not, for I am with thee. The presence of God in our lives should be sufficient to dispel all fears. We only get frightened when we forget that God is with us. If you get all filled with fear and just all shook and upset, it means one thing, you've forgotten that God is with you. Fear not, God said, for I am with thee. How many times had, had God made that the basis of, of dispelling fear? Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will help thee. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will hold thee by the right hand of my righteousness. The Lord is my helper, David cried. Of whom shall I be afraid? Fear not, I am with thee. And for Abraham's sake, I'm going to bless thee. And so Isaac built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. And then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his army, which is the title of the army general, and Isaac said unto them, Hey, why have you come to me, seeing you hate me and you kick me out? And they said, We have seen that the Lord is certainly with you. And we said, Let us now make a treaty between us, a covenant with you, that you will not hurt us, for we didn't touch you, and we have done nothing to you but good, and we have sent you away in peace. And now you're blessed of the Lord. And so he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink. And they rose up in the morning and swore one to another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had dug, and they said, We have found water. And so he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. And Esau was 40 years old when he took a wife, Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bashemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief in the mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. So Esau, 40 years old now, 
And he married a couple of girls of the Canaanites from the Hittites tribe. And these girls were just a, 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 a heartache to Rebekah and to Isaac. Probably were so imbued with the customs of their own culture and all, and, and probably their own gods that they worshiped, that it was just a heartbreak for Rebecca and Isaac. There wasn't really good fellowship with these daughters-in-law. There was just too much diversity for them to be close and to have a close fellowship. And so they became sort of a, a burden and a heartache to Rebecca and Isaac. And that is why one of the reasons why they encouraged Jacob to go back and to get his bride from the family of Abraham back in uh, the area of Haran again, because uh, Isaac's brides, they were just, they were just a mess and, and brought no joy at all to Esau's wives, rather, they just brought no joy to Isaac and Rebekah. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 25 through 26 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord put His hand upon your life May you be strengthened in your walk with him. May you begin to experience greater victories over those areas of the flesh that have dominated. And may you begin to experience more and more the power of God's Spirit within your life, giving victory. May the Lord be with you, and may the Lord keep you in his love. And may you just grow in your knowledge of him and in your fellowship. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. 
I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking. And are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.